Hey everyone, welcome to We Share Community Church. Um, I know it's uh, it's beautiful to so many out there who've been watching. You know, their their gardens kind of shrivel up and die. So sometimes, uh, sometimes I feel like we understand when we see rain like this. We understand when the Bible says that that God gives rain. You know, uh, just just blessing to the world, even to the people who don't know Him yet. Um, and so I. I, I think that we lose that perspective in our world where we can usually turn on the sprinkler or usually we get normal rain, but you know, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. It's, it's something that we need. So a um, few announcements. Um, oh wait, I'll do the, uh, I'll do the uh, mission purpose first. Uh, so uh, we're sure community church is a gathered group of Christians who exist to give creative and meaningful worship to God and to discover and develop disciples for Jesus Christ. We strive to love God and love others fervently. Um, I'm Forrest. Um, I think many of you know me here. Um, we just want to want to welcome you, especially if you've just visited a few times. Uh, you are so welcome here. Um, please, uh, please look around for someone who's trying to. There are people trying to find you so they can say hi. So, <laughs> uh, just so you know, uh, look up and find them. They'll they'll find you as well. All right. Um, some announcements. We got. Uh, uh, there's a thing going on with Life Fest where they have $10 tickets on Saturday. And I believe the purpose of this is if you have an unsaved friend um, and you just would like to bring them to Life Fest, but, but maybe the ticket cost is a bit too much, there are $10 tickets for Saturday only, I think. Um, so uh, we can go out into the Welcome Center and check that out. Um, VBS is in need of items, donate, donated items. So you can check the bulletin board back out there. Uh, I think it's kind of by the bathrooms in the foyer there. Um, Youth group is looking for leaders, um, so if you're interested or something's kind of like pricking your heart to, to feel for the, the, the youth of this church and the youth of this community, really, um, please talk to one of the youth leaders. Um, they were up here last week, and um, yeah, uh, music team is also looking for people. Um, so there's lots of empty microphones up here and piano, and so just uh, if you're kind of one of those people who's like, uh, you know, I just I play at home. I don't really play in front of people. You know, pray about it. Maybe, maybe God's uh, calling you to be up here. So, uh, we've got Pavilion Praise tonight at 5 p.m. Um, I think that's still on. So we got the pavilions. <laughs> also, we had the uh, um, the the our musical guest Derek and his family uh, out here last week, and they he wrote a little note to the church. So I'm going to read that quick. Um, we share a community church. Thank you for having me to your community days event this month. I so enjoyed worshiping you with you on uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday morning. The barbecue was amazing. You all blessed my family and I so much during our time with you. Grateful for your uh, generosity and your support. May God continue to bless your congregation as you minister in Watoma and throughout the surrounding area. Blessing in Christ, Derek. All right. We got scripture, right? There we go. All right. It's Matthew 26, 38. There's another one. Oh, it's in purple. The purple one. <laughs> That's all right. Having too much scripture in our computer is probably not a terrible thing, right? All right. Ephesians 2, 14 through 22. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, 
thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Oh, Lord God, um, there is so much in those words, so much that we can kind of get, grasp with our minds, but, but maybe we don't really grasp with our hearts. I just pray that today as we explore these truths, you would open up our hearts to hear them, to accept them, um, that we would be transformed by your very words, by your revelation to us about who we are and what our purpose is in this world. This world is looking for purpose. They're looking for what is the meaning of it all. Um, and God, you're revealing it to us right here, right now. I just pray that we would have we would have eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord. We pray this in your good name. Peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. Now, wasn't that fun? That was fun. Hello, boyers. Good to have you here. And then I saw back here, our Texas gals are back. Woohoo! Yes, they're back. We are glad they're here this morning. Um, hopefully you got a bulletin this morning. In your bulletin, you'll see uh, the sermon notes that are in there. If you'd like to take some notes, um, I'm thankful to be back from Florida. It was quite a trip. It was a working vacation. Um, but thank you for all the prayers uh, as, we, as I traveled those many miles. I can't fathom how many times I've done this. Um, but God was, it was a good time to talk to the Lord and, and to sing some songs and, and just be alone with him during that time. But I thank you so much for that. I, I thanked Michael McKidrick uh, last week for um, bringing the message. He, I was thankful that he would take that subject and, and follow along with it about initiating relationships and being in consistent community. And as Aaron said, this is the last Sunday, so tonight at 5 o'clock in the pavilion, we'll have a little more scripture, a little more singing, and some, maybe some sharing about how God has opened up some doors for you to initiate some relationships with the people God has put around you, um, or to be recommitted to the community of believers here at WCC. So that'll be happening tonight at five o'clock in the pavilion. And next Sunday, we will move on to two more of these Jesus discipleship practices. And so next month will be humble service and generous lifestyle. And I was thinking that while Pastor Robert was uh, going down through that sheet there, there's generous lifestyle. You'll be able to, 
participate in that. We are in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. I've titled this, uh, just some of the words from there, and in Him, in Jesus, you two are being built together to become, and we'll answer that question this morning. As the transition team went together, they, they said, you know, we need some things that guide us, that help us keep us on point, and help keep unity within the body of Christ. And one of them was, is that our message is Jesus. And I keep adding verses, and in your bulletin, you'll see a whole bunch of verses all listed out there. But our message is Jesus, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be saved. 1 John 2, 2, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Acts 4, 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men in which we must be saved. Matthew 16, 16, Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. One of them that I didn't put on your sheet is Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Listen to these words. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Our message is Jesus. That's, we, our, that's our focal point as a body of believers. The second one is our motive is love. And like, this is all over the scriptures, okay? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. John, 1 John 4, 11 says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love other, another. And verse 19, we love because he first loved us. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, is love. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 5, 25, here's a human example. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And then 1 Corinthians 16, 14, this is another short verse, but boy, it's a powerful verse. Do everything in love. You want to say that with me? Do everything in love. Do you feel convicted? Do everything in love. Our message is Jesus. Our motive is love. The third one, our method is discipleship. Our method is discipleship. And, and a go-to verse usually is the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things as I have commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you always until the end of the age. We usually go to that. But I want to answer this question this morning. What is the general context for this to happen? 
What's the general context for discipleship to happen? We've studied first and second Peter uh, just recently. And in first Peter chapter two, verse nine and 10, there's these four phrases he gives. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are people belonging to God. People belonging to God. The, the, the thing that is the same in all those four is that there is a grouping. There's a grouping. There's a group, a gathering that has been brought together. J.I. Packer, in writing and Knowing God, the book Knowing God, he said, to be right with God, the judge, is a great thing. Now, if I stop right there, he's talking about justification. Sorry about justification. God, the judge, that we can stand before God rightly because of Christ's death on the cross. Um, he says that's a great thing. But he goes on to say, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is a greater. Being justified is great. But to be, and he's talking about adoption here that you've been adopted into a family, God's family, that to be able to call God the Father is even greater. So we have regeneration, which means you're born again. We have justification, which means you're made right with God. We have sanctification, meaning that we're in this growth process with God now, in holiness, in, in becoming more Christ-like. Then we have glorification when we will see him face to face. But J.I. Packer says, oh man, but the greatest is adoption. Adoption, that you are a part of his family. He was asked one time, uh, how would you describe a Christian? And he said something similar to this. He said, a Christian is someone who calls God his father. That's what a Christian is. Someone who calls God his father. He has a relationship with him. So I... Just a few more verses. Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. You're part of a family. And we call him, cry out, we cry out to him, Abba, Father. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive, what's it say? The full rights of sons. You're a part of the family. You're part of the family. And then Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. This just blows you away. For he, God, chose us, us, in him, Jesus, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. We were chosen to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, there's the motive, in love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons. So we're, we, we were chosen to be holy and blameless in his sight, to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. It's always through him because our message is Jesus, and in accordance with his pleasure and will. We always talk about our will. There's God's will. There is pleasure in his will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, in the one he loves. Here's a big point I want to get across. We go from the cross, his cross, to his community. I want to show that in this passage of scripture. We go from his cross to his community, his community. Okay, now, yeah, finally there, verse 11. Sometimes I do this like this for my own personal benefit. I take a verse 
and I just I take it phrase by phrase, and I write it out that way so that I'll look at each phrase as I go through and pull out what's in that phrase. So therefore, remember that formerly you. Now, therefore means you have to look back and say, why is he saying therefore? Why is he saying therefore? We just got done in verse 10 saying, you are God's workmanship. You are God's workmanship, and, and you're saved. All through verses 1 through 7, 10, you're saved. But now you're saved for the good works that he has planned for you. He has these good works now planned for you since you are saved. He says, therefore, remember that you formerly who are Gentiles by birth. So these Gentiles, did they have any say in this? They're Gentiles by birth. Do they have any say in this whatsoever? I'd like to be a Gentile. You know, no, you don't have any, any say whatsoever. The Gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Now, we have two groups identified here, the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews are the circumcision. The Gentiles are the uncircumcised. And then there's that last phrase on there, that is done in the body by the hands of men. Now, when does circumcision usually happen? On the what day? For the Jewish people, it's the eighth day. Does that little boy have any say in the matter? <laughs> no, he has no say. He has no say whatsoever in the matter. Just like the Gentile by birth has no say in the matter. No say in the matter. But what's happening here, here's the problem, is the ones that have no say in the matter, that they are of the circumcision, are name-calling those who are not of the circumcision. They're name-calling them. This was a, a, a derision. Um, it was said not in a kind way. It was a, a put-down of anybody who was not a Jew. And, and they were forgetting something. They were forgetting something. John, in John's gospel, Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. And as he's speaking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan, um, he says to her, chapter 4, verse 22, he says these words, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. They had forgotten that, wait a minute, where is the salvation of the nations coming from? It is coming from us. We're the ones who carry the salvation message to all the nations, and it comes through us. Now, that's awful hard to do if you're name-calling, if you're calling somebody a bad name. I put down there another one, Galatians chapter 3. Now, this one really lays it out, Paul. Paul really lays it out there for them to understand the process in which Jesus, in which God set this up. Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 6, he said, Consider Abraham, who would be the father of the Jews. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Then it says, Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. He doesn't distinguish there between Jew or Gentile. He just says, Those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw, that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. He's saying that this is God's plan all along. 
He would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham, our father. Father Abraham had many sons. All nations will be blessed through you. That's Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. See, what's happening here, the problem is, is that the Jewish people, and we're talking about Jewish Christians here, Jewish Christians here are name-calling the Gentile Christians. Verse 12, he goes on to say, Remember that at that time you, Gentile Christians, were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners of the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. What stops name-calling? Remembering. See, if we're in any way, shape, or form trying to make ourselves better than others, the only way to stop that is to remember that, wait a minute, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I need to remember that I was separated from Christ. I need to remember I was foreigner of the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in this world. But something great is coming because it says in verse 11, he said, formerly you. In this verse, he says, at that time, you. And now we go to verse 13 that says, you who once were. But here's some great verses Great words in verse 13, but now. Everybody say, but now. But now. Okay, they were turning the corner. But now. In Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now the phrase, have been brought near, that phrase is in the passive sense. It's not in the active sense. It's in the passive sense meaning someone brought you near. Someone else brought you near by the blood of Christ. It wasn't you who did it. Someone brought you near to the blood of Christ. And when you see the blood of Christ, now there's where you can put in your Bible the first cross. There's the cross. So you string this together. Remember that you were not the people of God. You were uncircumcised. You were separated from. You were excluded from. You were foreigners to. You were without hope, without God, and far away. We come to the cross, but also how? Who made that transaction? It was not me. It was not me. It was not you. That transaction was made upon a cross. He made the transaction for you to be able to come near to him. Verse 14, for he himself, I, I like it when the Bible does this. It does a double emphasis. But he could have said, for Jesus is our peace. He could have just shortened it up. For Jesus is our peace. But he says, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, here's an effect of name calling. If we go the route of name calling, Pretty soon, we get pretty hostile with our world. We get pretty hostile with our world. And we forget our mission. Our mission is to tell them about Jesus. And we set the mission aside, just like the Jews set the mission aside that salvation was to come through them to reach the Gentiles. They set that aside, and now all they were doing was calling the Gentiles names. And we can do the same thing. 
we can get so mad about this world or it's going you know, in such a direction that we start doing name-calling and pretty soon we get hostile to the ones that we're supposed to be telling them of Jesus Christ. The two become one. The Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians become one. When, who are the two that become one? I couldn't help but think of Genesis 2.24, right? A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Okay, so in the marriage situation, wow, that, that's intimate and everything else. He's saying these two groups, these Jewish Christians and these Gentile Christians, he's going to boom. He's going to bring them into one family, one family. It says the dividing wall of hostility. Um, it could be that Paul here is speaking about the temple area had an outer court and an, an inner courts. And, and in the outer courts of the temple area, the Gentiles could be there. They could be there. But they couldn't be in the inner courts. And there was actually a sign there that said, you know, you cannot enter here. You cannot enter here. And no Gentiles can enter here. Uh, the death penalty kind of thing that can do that it made me think of Gandalf in, in in the Lord of the Rings and that scene where he's on that you're already there aren't you he's on that bridge you know and and this evil spirit comes up yeah Tim's going like this yes and and he he just takes his thing you shall not pass that was pretty close wasn't it yeah that was pretty good yeah it was kind of like that that sign. You shall not pass. You know, shall not pass. But he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. Between Jew and Gentile. Verse 15, by abolishing in his flesh. You make another cross on there. There's the cross again. By abolishing in his flesh the law and his commandments and regulation, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. I can't help but think of that scene when Jesus dies on the cross and we learn what happens in the temple. The, the veil is torn from top to bottom and it reveals the holy of holies so that anyone can approach God. And in verse 14, Jesus said, I'm the peace. In verse 15, now he says he's making peace. He's going to give us one more. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. There we go. Put another cross. There's a third cross by which he put to death their hostility. So we realize that, wait a minute, not only the Jews, but the Gentiles, both of them need the cross. Both of them need the cross. If we go back to uh, verse 3 in Ephesians, same chapter, verse 2. Um, if verse 3 says, all of us who lived among them at the one time, gratifying the sinful, uh, gra gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we combined were by nature objects of wrath. Objects of wrath. So, in this one moment, in this one action, what Jesus does on the cross. He solved the hostility problem between each other. And he also solved the hostility problem between us and God. If you kind of like a visual, so, so we have Jews and we have Gentiles. And in between them is hostility. There's hostility between these two. 
And then we have Jew and Gentile, but then we have God up here, and there's like a line here of hostility between if you're Jew or Gentile with God. And what did Jesus do on the cross? He destroyed all of that. He destroyed the possibility that there would be the hostility between Jew and Gentile would be taken away. He destroyed the hostility between us and God would be taken away by our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 17, he came and preached peace. There's our third piece. Preach there means um, proclaiming of good news. Proclaiming of good news. We get our word evangelism from that word. He preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. So far away, who are the people who are far away? He's talking to the Gentile Christians. Who's he talking to when he says those who are near? He's talking to the Jewish Christians. In verse 14, Jesus is our peace. In verse 15, he's making peace. And in verse 17, now he's preaching peace. But both groups need peace. Both groups need this peace. And and this is where I want to make a comparison. I'm just looking at this and saying, can I relate to uh, what's what what's being written here about the Jewish people and specifically the Jewish Christians? Um, Romans chapter nine. Romans chapter nine, starting at verse three. Paul says this about his Jewish brothers. He says, for if I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. So he can't do this, but he wishes, he wishes his Jewish brothers would come to faith in Jesus Christ. And if he could surrender his so they could, that's, that would be his wish. He, he can't do it, but that's, he's just saying it. And then he just talks about his Jewish brothers. In verse 4, the people of Israel. So they have, this oppor- they have this privileged opportunity that not by their own means, but they were born into the Israelites. There is adoption as sons. Theirs is the divine glory. That in their history, they have God revealing himself at times to the people of Israel. The covenants. Yeah, in their history, they have the covenants that were made specifically to them with Abraham and Moses and David. The receiving of the law. Yeah, they're the ones that got the Ten Commandments and and, and the scrolls and everything. They had those in their possessions. Um, The temple worship. They had a place where God resided. And they had that privilege that was happening there. Um, The promises. Theirs is are the patriarchs. They can go back in their history to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ. Wait a minute. They can go down through their ancestry, and they, in that ancestry is the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. Wow. You talk about a privileged position, a privileged people. That's where I'm trying to make the comparison is um, when we look at our lives today, who needs peace? I put down there, even the church. Even the church needs peace. You know, just as the Jewish people were privileged in the sense of, of uh, 
of being in that environment and being in that nation and everything, I feel privileged. I feel privileged that I grew up in a Christian home. I feel privileged that my mom and dad both went to church and took us to church. I feel privileged that we were in a, in a little church that those people loved God and loved one another. I was in an atmosphere of God's love. I, I feel privileged that I was able to attend vacation Bible school and, and learn all the songs that I've learned. I feel, I feel privileged that, wow, I was in an atmosphere where God was proclaimed, where his, his one another's were enacted out in front of me, and also I received those one another's at times kind of thing. I feel so privileged, but I still needed what? I still needed the peace of God that comes to the cross. I could be in that environment and grow up in that environment. And even in the time frame that I grew up in a country, in a country that mostly embraced all of that and encouraged that and, and, and everything else, I, I grew up in that time. Very privileged time. But I still needed what? The peace that comes through the cross. I still needed Jesus as the peace, making peace and preaching peace upon my life. That might be you this morning. You may have grown up in a very similar situation that I grew up in. And you always just went to church because that's what you're supposed to do. And it's a great place to be. And it's great people to be around. And it's always fun when I say that, you know, get up and Find somebody you don't know, and da 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 da. And I watch, and it's like, you know, kind of, oh yeah, it's, it's wonderful. But if you have never heard it before, we all need the peace of God. Even if you feel like me, privileged, I know that's a bad word today, but I'm going to use it. Privileged in how I was raised and where I was raised. But I needed the peace of God. I needed the peace of God. Verse 18, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Emphasis on both again. Verse 19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. He's telling the Gentile Christians, you are no longer foreigners or aliens, like in verse 12, but fellow citizens with God's people. The word for people there means holy, God's holy, God's saints, God's saved, and members of God's household, his abode. So there's that change again. I made you say, but now, this word is consequently, there's a change that has happened. And it's interesting that you go from the larger group to God's people, like God's people all over the world, and then down to a smaller group, down to God's household, his household, an intimate membership with his family, with his family. Verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. We find the apostles in the New Testament. We find the prophets, most of them, in the Old Testament. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. This family that you have been brought into is based upon the word of God. And it's also based upon everything is measured off of this one named Jesus. Because our message is Jesus. Our message is Jesus. I love Luke chapter 24. I don't know how many times I've preached out of Luke chapter 24. But when Jesus is on the road to Emmaus with these two 
And he gets to this point in verse 27 where he says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning who? Himself. Himself. And then in verses 44 and 45, when he meets with the disciples, he said, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. He opened up their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Our message is Jesus. And this family that we have been placed in is all based upon him. Verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So I kind of put it all together. God's people and God's household, a building with a foundation of God's word, pointing to Jesus in which all is measured from, is joined together to worship him. What do we do in a temple? Well, in the temple, you're supposed to worship him. Everything is, so this discipleship is coming out of worship. It's coming out of worship. It, actually, if, if, if there's no worship, if worship is missing, then missions is needed. Okay, if worship is missing, worship is the ultimate. What is the chief end of man? To worship God. To worship God. So this discipleship comes out of a worship of God. And so if this worship is happening, we will seek. We will seek to be discipled. We will seek it out to be more Christ-like. And if worship is happening, we will serve in discipleship of others. Both those things will be happening. Verse 22, and in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Our discipleship, our discipleship is attached to being together. Our discipleship is attached to being together. Just as it you are being brought near to the cross of Christ was passive, someone else is doing that. Same way here, are being built together. That's a passive form of that. Just being together. God is growing you to become. Discipleship is a process that's there. So here again, I want us to see that we have come to the cross. We've been brought to the cross. And then he takes us from the cross and he puts us into a community. He puts us into the family of God. And it's in that family of God where discipleship happens. So four points to end this off. Number one, God's family is ever expanding. God's family is ever expanding. This is a mind mentality that we need to have. That it's ever expanding. God's family is ever expanding. I remember in my very first church in Roscommon, Michigan, I was 21 years old. I found out that they had a Tuesday morning prayer meeting. And uh, I was like, whoa, that's kind of cool. Tuesday morning prayer meeting. Two ladies showed up every, every Tuesday morning. These, only these two ladies showed up. Uh, Luella Babcock and Barb Aldridge. And I met with them, and we would kneel down at the pews, and we would pray. And I remember the very first time that we did this. I was so like, wow, this happens. And I was kneeling down, and Luella Babcock started to pray. Now, they're both with the Lord. They're both with the Lord. Luella said, Luella said, Lord, thank you so much for our little church. Thank you for it being little. Thank you that there's only a small amount of us. 
because it's just best that way. And we just love you, Lord. Thank you for just keeping us the size we are. I, I just came out of college. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm listening to this lady. And she's, you know, she's an older lady, you know, so I got to respect her, you know, kind of thing. But, but I'm like, I'm like, what? I didn't say that out loud. I was kneeling down. As soon as she got done praying, and there's some of the immaturity of me, I just started praying, Lord, open up the doors. Bring everybody in. As many as possible kind of thing. May we have not enough room for everybody to come into this place kind of thing. Bless Luella. I love Luella. Oh, I had lots of blessed times with Luella. Um, but, but it's a mind shift. And if we don't make this mind shift that God's kingdom is ever increasing, ever expanding, um, we will go to name calling. And name calling is telling of our condition. It's telling of our condition. If we have gotten to the point where we start naming people, then there's something wrong with our heart. Because we'll never be able to love them the way that we're supposed to love them. We're never ever going to get to the part to be able to tell them about the love of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for their sins if we're so wrapped up in name calling. So there's a mind shift, there's a heart change that needs to happen. The third one, the local church body, this is it. This is it. If you're looking for some other way to be discipled, I'm sorry. That's, they don't give you any other option in the Bible. You go from the cross to the community. That's what you go to. It, there's no, you've heard this before, no Lone Ranger Christians. There's no one out there that's supposed to be saying, I'm a Christian, I just don't belong to a local church family. Mm -mm, that doesn't work that way. God didn't set it up that way. God says, I'm bringing you to the cross so that you see that I am the Savior. I am your Savior. But I'm also putting you in my family. And in that family, you grow in Christ-likeness with one another. And then number four, initiating relationships and being in consistent community puts you in a discipleship atmosphere. It does. When we start to look around us and see who God has brought into our sphere, and when we start looking at being around one another more, it puts us in the atmosphere where discipleship can happen. So I kind of go back to number three again. And two weeks ago, I think I ended with, maybe, maybe there's some recommitment that needs to happen to this body of believers. Maybe, maybe you've wandered in and wandered out, and, and that's about it. And you realize by the Scriptures, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That God, had, God brought me to the cross, and He saved me. Remember that. But He also dropped me by adoption into His family to grow me. And, and, and maybe it's a recommitment to this body. Of, there's no other body of believers. It's this. It, you're it. Sorry about that. You're it. He brought you into this body of believers to grow up in Christ-likeness, to practice the one another's with one another. And this is where you get discipled, is this body of believers.
I know you can try it online. I know you can have your famous people that you like to listen to all the time. But that's not where you're discipled, not by the scriptures. You're discipled by this body of believers. And so I really encourage you to recommit to this family called Washera Community Church. That you're committed, that these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is where I grow up in my faith, in this body of believers. Would you stand with me? Let's bow our heads in prayer, and then we'll sing our final song. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. It's a challenging passage of Scripture. You're taking the two to become one. You're exposing um, what one group was doing wrong and forgetting the mission. Instead of, instead of saying, we are bringing salvation to the Gentiles, they were calling them names. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that we would not do the same, that we would remember what our mission is, is to share the gospel with the world. And even though the world is, gets ugly at times, that we would not resort to name-calling, that we would not allow that name-calling to turn into hostility. We'll be frustrated. We'll be frustrated at times, Lord. But may our frustration drive us to our knees to pray all the more. I thank you for you bringing me to the cross of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, for dropping me into the community, your people, to grow in faith. So, Lord, Today, as we sing this final song, I pray for anyone here this morning. Maybe, maybe you've kind of checked out of church. Maybe you've checked out of this church body and realized that, wait a minute, the place where I'm going to grow is with these people that also were brought to the cross. May we recommit to the body of Christ here at Washera Community Church. We ask all this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this final song. A little earlier in Ephesians, it says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have, he has called you. What are the riches of his, the glorious, his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in the right hand of the heavenly, place, in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body and the fullness of him who fills all in all. Lord God, we want to see you this morning. We want to fully realize what you have called us to, but it's too big for us. I just pray that you would open our eyes. We need to pray and we are praying that you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts. We'll see that you have called us to your very body, um, that we can be part of something 
on this earth you have ordained. Um, it's the purpose to which we're called, God. Um, and we just want to praise you for that. We want to praise you for the, the grace that you've poured out on us and allowing us to be part of that, part of your body. God. We pray this in your name. All right, one quick announcement before we go. If anybody is interested in baptism, we've got baptism happening July 9th. And uh, Tom DeMeyer is back in the library, so he's going to be doing a little uh, class kind of informing him what baptism is all about. And you can ask questions if you have questions, so definitely do that. Let's go today and uh, be the body of Christ. <laughs>